Welcome to Church Project. One of the things that, that we do, it's one of the main things that we do is we do our house churches that meet every, every Sunday and, or Wednesday, and we come together and we have our house churches. Uh, then we do our Sunday gatherings, which you're part of here, and, and the other thing we do is our ministry partnerships. And we, and we have a lot of ministry partnerships that are, are very cool. We, we like to uh, partner financially. We like to partner relationally for ministries that are effective for the cause of Christ. We come together relationally and we support these ministries, but we also come together financially. If you've ever tied to Church Project, you sent us to Haiti. You're part of all these ministries that, that we're doing, and so it's an honor to, to be in this with you. So you saw Haiti, but also there is Carl and Lane and Rachel and Sierra. I think we might have a picture of them as well. There's, there's three pictures back there. Um, oh, wait, that's Pastor Edric. He's our pastor in... in uh, Bushwind, did I say that right? Bushwind, Haiti, awesome dude. Uh, but let's go to the next picture here. Yeah, there, there's Carl. Everybody knows Carl. He's the big guy. They're, they're on mission right now with crew, and they're doing incredible things uh, in Slovakia, I think. I think it's Slovakia. And so that group is there doing stuff. Um, Laura is not going to like this, but I don't care. Laura, come up here. I don't know which mic I should grab. How about this mic right here? Uh, is this one all right? Can we grab this mic? Uh, Laura just had an incredible camp, and I know nothing about it, but it was last week. And so would you please give us an update? Tell us kind of what happened through FCA and what you guys did up at UNC. And yeah, Perfect. Um, I'll try to keep it brief because I could celebrate what happened at camp um, for probably the next couple months. It's going to fuel me um, in ministry for the next couple months. Um, but we had 194 high school athletes come to UNC. Um, they got the opportunity to train athletically, so and improve in the technical skills of their sport, but be coached by Christian coaches. It might be the first time that they experienced that. Um, so it's an incredible opportunity for them to see coaching um, in the image of Christ um, and to experience that as an athlete. But also we had um, some college student athletes that were leading small group discussions about what does it mean to follow Christ? What does that look like? Our theme um, was Joshua 1.9. And so be strong and courageous. What does that look like off the field and on the field? Um, One of my favorite stories, uh, we had a small group of students from inner city Chicago that were able to come um, due to financial support from a lot of you in this room, but also people who supported a lot of our fundraisers. And one of the kids um, said throughout the week, like, everything in Chicago is trying to kill you, um, but here I feel alive. Um, And so just incredible life transformations. We probably had about... We're not. We're still working on the numbers, but about 150 percent of those kids stepped up to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time. I thought you said 50 percent. Yeah. Did you say 50 percent? I did. I did. So, um, incredible opportunity to see lives changed, and we have the opportunity then to plug these kids back in on their campuses with staff and coaches that want to continue this discipleship process throughout the year. So incredible things to celebrate. Maybe I'll get some pictures and some videos sent out um, this Tuesday through the newsletter. So thank you so much. 
for all your support. Oh, one last story. This is amazing. Um, another kid, we, at the, uh, on Sunday, at the end of camp, we ask if any kids want to come up and talk about kind of what they've learned, what happened to them throughout the week. Um, and we say, what's your name? And then tell us what God did. Um, one kid stood up, the first kid to stand up, that's always hard, the first one, in front of a group of his peers, um, said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Free. Um, and we asked, well, tell me more about that. Um, he's like, you know, I've never felt, um, free, um, until this week. So, um, incredible opportunities to see God move and to be able to partner in what the Holy Spirit is doing, um, in the youth here, um, and around the country. So amazing opportunity. So thank you for all your support. Yeah. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. you pray for Laura? I hope, you, I hope you're praying for Laura. I hope you're praying for our, our, our ministry partnerships. Krista, I won't have you come up, but you're coming up after camp. Krista leaves for camp on Saturday with Young Life, and, and I, they're going to Minnesota or Minneapolis, somewhere. I don't know where they're going, uh, with a busload of high school students and junior high, and who knows what you're doing, but you go all the time as well. And So pray for Krista and their trip there. And um, Hey, here's the bottom line. We're going to be active. That's it. James talks about our faith and our works. We're going to partner with ministries, and we're going to hold them up in high regards. We're going to pray for them. We're going to relationally and financially get behind them, um, but pray for our ministry partnerships. And if you want to know more about ministry partnerships, just pick on Bill and Jeannie. Pick on them. They, they're, they're getting involved with that, and that's awesome. So um, I love being in this work with you. I, I love Church Project. I love being able to equip the saints I love people leading us in charge, charging forward with the gospel message in the area that God's put them uniquely designed to, to do and to be. I, I love when, when people in his church, the church starts coming alive. And when I mean the church, I mean you as an individual. I love to see when God grips your heart and reminds you of the depths in which he rescues you from and puts his love so deep in you that you start coming alive. And when you start coming alive, God starts showing you and revealing to you how he's uniquely designed you to be and to operate and how you fit in on his church in the local and global level. And I love being a part of this. I love that April was leading the charge for us in Haiti. I love to see people come alive in their giftings of Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for all of us. I, for some reason, have been given this mic. This is what God has gifted me to do, to teach but it takes all of us in our area to come alive and to be the church. Thank you for what you do, Church Project. I'm excited to see what God continues to do in each and every one of us. Um, I, I want to address something because last week there was a terrible event that happened in Dallas and, and police officers were, were killed. And um, Andy is, is our pastor in Church Project Dallas and they're struggling through some incredibly hard things right now in Dallas, America, the world. Like there, There's pain everywhere that we look. And it's hard. It's hard not to run in fear. It's, it's hard not to be scared. It's, not, it's hard not to get bitter, isn't it? It's hard not to feed the monster. But as Christians, we have hope. And I say no better time to have the gospel message than right now. We get to speak hope into dark places. 
we get to let our actions look different. Our words look different. We represent life. We represent freedom. I want to encourage us this week. Um, one of the ways that we can tangibly do this is Chad Harding is one of our, our law officers, our law enforcement. And I know we have others part of, part of church project. And I know we, we, we see them every week, everywhere that we go. These men and women and spouses that serve our country. This week I want to encourage you that wherever you encounter these, these fine men and women, take a moment to pause. Take a moment to say thank you. To buy them a coffee, a drink, or whatever you would like. But let's begin to actually let our actions represent hope and life as we come behind and support men and women all around us. And Chad, thank you for your service. Thank you for what you do. Christina, thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Came back, and this flag wasn't here uh, last week, but it's here this week. And, and so pray for America. Pray for everything that's going on in Christians that's represent a different, a different way of thinking. A different way of responding, and let's represent hope. I've been a Christian for 34 years, and I've been a pastor for 15 of those years. We started Church Project five years ago. And the passage that I'm about to teach on today, if you would, open your Bibles to James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. It's in the blue Bible if you don't have a Bible, and it's on page 700 of that. And so James chapter 5, verses 13 through 15 is what we're covering. And I want to read this for us today. James is addressing the church. He's addressing conflict. He's addressing pain. And he begins to teach us as he's nearing the end of his letter to the church. This is what he says. He says in verse 13 of chapter 5, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So this wonderful man had been a Christian for 34 years, myself, pastor for 15 years. The gospel, is, is, the gospel message is for me first and foremost. I have not arrived. I am a man in the middle of his own sanctification. God is continuing to make me more like him every single day. I will suffer. At times I'm cheerful, at times I will get sick, and at times I need other people. And I would say most times I am all those things, all together, all at once. And church, this message that, that James is telling us, he's saying, here is life. Here's how we do life. And as Christians, we need to continually remember that the gospel message is first and foremost for us. In our quiet places when no one is around. And that is lived out through our actions in relationships with church, with other people, the places that we go and spaces that we go, our jobs, how we interact with the world, how we deal with conflict, pain, and hurt. We have to start at the base that the gospel message is first and foremost for us. We remember how much God loves us and what he does for us. In Haiti, I had, a, I had lots and lots of great conversations with pastors. Pastors would come because they, they knew that we were there. 
So they would come and they would want to talk to Pastor Rick and oftentimes it involved me in the middle of these conversations and over and over again, we, we tried to pour into them and encourage them as much as we could. But here, here's, how, here's how terrible I am. I, I had a conversation, most of them were great, but even the, one of the last conversations I had with his name is John Baptist. Isn't that a cool name? John Baptist, I got him confused with some other pastor and village, and so I, I took the conversation away that it didn't necessarily need to go because I thought he was another guy. And so there was this, com- this, not conflict, but confusion, and John Baptist left the conversation, I guarantee, going, I don't know what just happened. But all the way home, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling guilty after I realized this is the wrong guy, the wrong pastor, and the conversation should have went the other way. And so I'm trying to call him up and get in contact with him and say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Like, I'm sorry. All of us, no matter how long we've been Christians, no matter what we've done in our life, no matter how many mission trips we've been on, we are people in the middle of our own stuff as God makes us more like himself. We're all susceptible to... Suffering, we all get cheerful at times. We all get sick at times. But I'm reminded that I'm a contributor to this body, this church, Christianity. I'm a contributor to this, but I'm also a consumer of this body. I need grace, love, forgiveness. I'm not going to be on my game all the time. Neither will you. And what do we do when we're suffering? What do we do in the middle of this? And James just gives us two verses that, quite honestly, I didn't study a whole lot this week. But as I begin to read them and study them and and read other commentaries, I'm like, oh my goodness, James, you're a pretty smart dude. Like, you, you got stuff together. James is, if you look at these two verses, these three verses, James talks about a, a relationship of three people in here. Th- a relationship of three, if you'll see it. He talks about me, he talks about my brothers and sisters, and he talks about God. So look at, look at this relationship. Look at the depth of relationship James begins to talk on. So think about that as we read these three verses. Is there, any mo- is there anyone among you suffering? You, us, me, singular, us, me. Let him, her, pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for who? Others, the elders of the church, the people that are more mature than they are in their faith. It doesn't matter about age, by the way. Now now we went from me to us. Let them call the elders of the church and pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In verse 15, love it. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and who? The Lord will raise him up. Look at these relationships that James is talking and teaching about. Me, us, the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. As a pastor, people come to me in need or with life hurts often. It could be people amongst us, or it could just be at Starbucks, and someone finds out I'm a pastor, and then all of a sudden the pains and the life hurts just come up. They come up naturally because of this title. The more and more God is making me more and more like him, it's a lot of more and mores, the more God is working in me, the more I'm realizing I don't have much to give in these scenarios. The more I don't, I'm not so confident in the answer that I would have given, so black and white. More and more, my answers are going back more to like this. Two questions. 
What is Jesus revealing to you about this? As they give their big life problem and their big issue or whatever, they're looking for the pastor to have the answer. And when he comes back with, what is Jesus beginning to reveal to you about this? What does that do? It puts them in the place of relationship with God and no mediator. They don't need me in the middle of this thing. As saints, we can go to God directly. As his church, we can go to God directly. So I ask that question. What is Jesus revealing to you? And the second one I ask is very, very important as well. What house church do you belong to? What relationships are you in in your life where you have people that are more mature than you speaking life into you? Cheering with you, helping you when you go through these hard, hard times. Who are you surrounding yourselves with? And if this individual says, really, no one, I say, well, there lies your problem. Pastor right here cannot solve it. But we as a church, if we're focused on Christ and we're leaning on each other, try to stop it now. Amen? So, church, who will you call? So, church, where will you go? When there's suffering in your life. Are you so deeply invested in the body of Christ and relationships that you, right now, if I said, who would you call? You would pull out your cell phone and show us numbers of who you would call. You've already, you've already lined up your life where, who will you call? I'll show you who I'll call. It's this person and this person. And they're there to help me when I'm suffering. Church, if not, we're going to get picked off one by one. Are we relying on each other? Because Jesus says there will be pain. There will be suffering. So let's get to our text. Is anyone among you suffering? How about it? Is there anyone among you suffering? Has anyone suffered? Has everyone suffered? Will we suffer? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him what? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him play or pray. Or play, that would be good too. In this context, the suffering brings a spiritual burden which should drive us to prayer. So the the prayer is more for the giving of strength than the removal of the situation. Because sometimes we can't remove the situation in which we're suffering. And so James knows that. He says, I want you to pray. And I'm instructing you to pray. Why? So you'll have strength through the suffering. If God in his timing chooses to remove the suffering, then you would be cheerful and jump up and down and praise God. But during the suffering, pray that you will have the strength to overcome the suffering. I'm reminded in the Old Testament of Job. Everyone knows Job. Man, he was suffered. Didn't he suffer? If not, go look, read the Old Testament and read through Job or Job, however you want to pronounce it. Read through it and see how this man suffered. And what did he do? He prayed and he stayed focused on God. I'm reminded of Matthew 16 where Jesus says, You will suffer, church. 
And James know that he knows this. He's looking at the church and he's saying, when you suffer, pray that it's removed. Absolutely. But pray that you will have the strength to stay resolute and focused on Christ, that he would grow you to look more like him through the suffering. So is anyone among you suffering? Let him or her pray. Church, is that our first response when we begin to suffer? It's easy to look horizontal for that vertical relationship. It's easy that when we begin to suffer, we begin to call our mom, our dad, our friend. We begin to reach out on these levels. And though that's not bad, if that's our first step, we've missed the most important step. James has spelled it out. Are you suffering? Pray. Go to your father. If you read church history and you read about James, the author of this book, he was also known as Camel Knees. Camel knees, why? Because his knees were swollen. Why? Because the words that he's instructing the church wasn't just words. He prayed continually, so much so that his knees were swollen from praying. Church, is that our MO? Is that our operating? Um, is, that, is that how we operate? It's not mine. And I pray that I can pray more. Is that a thing to do? Maybe so. I pray that I can pray more. I pray that our church, we would pray more. Jeff and Ginger Davidson, wherever they are, they're starting to lead us in prayer. And God's given her even a vision for prayer. Church, let's pray more. Why? Because when we're alone and we suffer, our first response should be prayer. And then we can seek the counsel of our brothers and sisters. And, and we can do that. But church, is this our first response? I hope and I pray for so anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. What, so what is it? If you're cheerful, then what do you do? You praise. So if you're suffering, you pray. If you're cheerful, what do you do? You praise. You lift your hands. You lift your voice. Uh, what's that song you wrote, Jeremy? I think it was the second one. Huh? I'm a child of God. Huh. Oh, no, that one? I'm like, dude, that is such a killer, awesome song. And maybe it's because I just got back from Haiti. And by, in Haiti, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it, you're getting it going. But that song, it's like, dude, that's praise, cheerful. Like, that's a, an aspect, an emotion that's very real. And church, it, when we are cheerful, does it, does it play out in our life by praise? I hope so. I hope we're exuberant in our praise. I hope we're, I hope we're clapping and smiling. And maybe that's not your deal. Okay, whatever. Go to Haiti. It will become your deal. But is that, is that what we do? We're cheerful. And when, because we're cheerful, we sing praise to God. Our cheerful moments are opportunities to worship God. Let that sink in a second. Because sometimes we're just, oh, we're cheerful. And we just kind of leave it at that. Happy. It's a good day. Let's take it a step deeper. Our cheerful moments are opportunities to worship God. Just like our sad moments and our suffering moments, our cheerful moments are there so that the world will look at us and see that it's, we're worshiping God through our cheerful moments. What if we changed our vocabulary, church? What if we changed it? For example, something good happens in our life. Something awesome. We have a downpouring of extra money. That's all good, right? That's cheerful. Like, okay, a downpouring of extra money, an unexpected blessing, something amazing that we didn't expect in our life. And instead of worshiping the situation, we would worship the supplier of our needs. 
Oftentimes we fall into it. We have a tendency to worship the creation and not the creator. We're so happy and gleeful and cheerful because of the moment, that downfall of money or that blessing or that thing. And it's like, yeah, woo-woo, look at us. And we never go, thank you, God. What if we began to change our vocabulary? I can think of many times that our family, we've been in need of money or something, and someone would give us cash. Or I, can think of, I can think of a lot of times where it's like we had moments where our situation suddenly was infused with a blessing. Maybe money, maybe encouragement. Who knows? I can think of many situations. What if instead of us responding with, that came just in time. Whew, what a blessing. That is just what we needed. What if we turned our vocabulary to praise? We said, God, thank you for being my provider. Worship the creator, not the creation. Worship the creator, not his blessings. Worship him. And I know it's just semantics, but it changes everything, doesn't it? It begins to put our worship on the level of eternal instead of temporal. It begins to change our mindset and our heart, and we become a cheerful people that, what do we do when we're cheerful? We praise God, not the situation. That's good, by the way. That's really good. Living a life of cheerful praise, I'm th- I think of Colossians 3.16. It's, it's in page 680 of the Blue Bible. And Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Is that how we worship God with gratitudes in our hearts? Is that how we encourage each other with psalms and and, and words of the Spirit? God, I pray that that becomes our church. I pray that we worship Him exuberantly in our spirit. And our cheerfulness is shown by our praise to God. If you are cheerful, that can only come from the giver of life. That's not something that we can conjure up on our own. If we have cheer and we're cheerful, that comes from God and God alone. And as his creations, what should that cause us to do? Worship him, sing to him, and bless God. Yes, we can bless God with the way that we worship. And I hope that that's how we become Christians that are cheerful as we praise. As parents, we are training our girls. Sorry, I didn't ask you permission. (laughs) that when someone does something nice, it's a good thing to notice and to send a thank you card. Kind of cute, right? Forgotten sometimes, but kind of good. It's a good thing to train as parents. God has and does bless us every single day. Let's bless him with our praise. Let's send our thank you cards. Let's say, God, how amazing that you are, and let's be cheerful. And when we're cheerful, we worship him. With our praise. All right, you want to move on to verse 14? Let's go to verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So if you, if you just look at this verse alone, it says, Is anyone 
among you sick. That literally is translated in, in original language without strength. So is there anyone among you without strength? Or you could take this as literally physically sick. What's the call? What's the call to action that James gets us, gives us? Is anyone among you sick without strength? Let him or her, let them do what? Call for the elders of the church and let them, there's that relationship thing, us all moving together again. Let them pray over him or her. This in its context is the main verb of the context. Prayer is the main subject of this, these, these entire three verses. Prayer is the main subject. James is addressing the church and he's saying this is not a prescription of how you move through being sick, but this is a description. Prayer precedes and proceeds the anointing. Do you see this? Prayer happens. The elders come, and what do they do? They, they anoint with oil, and then what happens? Prayer happens again. It's sandwiched by prayer. There's prayer at the beginning, there's prayer in the middle, and there's prayer at the end as the church moves together. James is teaching the church that as Christians, we will go through all the highs, and we will go through all the lows of life. We will have to process all the emotions that goes on with the extremes and the mundanes of how we live our life. That's real. Prayer and praise should be our response no matter the situation or emotion. That's science of a mature Christian. That no matter the situation and no matter the emotion that is evoked up in us. Those are real. We don't discount those. Signs of a mature Christian is that their response to any of that is prayer and praise. Wow. That's a kick in the butt for me. So, Anyone among you sick, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him. I I like how James says, let him call for. Until someone knows that they are sick, they cannot be healed. The request must come from the ill. Until they know they're sick, they cannot be healed. I thought that was just a cute point, so we can go on past there. I think what James is really saying, and he's illustrating multiple ways throughout this entire book of James, is go it together. Go it together, church, not alone. Through your conflict, evaluate yourself and your relationship with Christ. Don't do it alone. Do it together. My prayer is that we begin to see healing and prophetic words at house church. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? It's uncomfortable. We would call out to God together. The new Christians would call out to the mature Christians and say, teach me and show me. I want to learn. And relationally what begins to happen, not in this place, in our house churches and the places that we go and the barbecues that we have and the dinners that we go out to and the movies we go to and how we interact in the world. Outside of Sunday, we begin to pray and praise and call out greatness in each other and we do it together, marching forward as a church. 
America's got to get this down. We've got to get better at this. We're going to see a different church 10 years from now in America. It might actually look a little bit more like Haiti. (laughs) I'm just saying, I don't know. Maybe we should all take a mission trip to Haiti and just see how they do relationships. As these pastors would come and they would ask me, For resources and funds and needs, I would say great and wonderful, but here's the deal. You guys have relationships down ten times better than we do. We need to learn from you. You are our teachers and our tutors. Tutors. So whatever. Many of them teaching us. Okay, let's get back here. Uh, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with, with oil in the name of the Lord, Oil, as a first century Jew, had many uses. It had medicinal uses, and it also had symbolic uses. And that's what James is telling his readers right here. And I like at the end of it, it says, in the name of the Lord. You see that? Like, underline that in your Bible. Anytime that you can see Jesus in your Bible, every verse points to him. Whenever you can see that, just circle that and remind ourselves what this whole thing is about. In the name of the Lord. Whatever we do as proclaimers. Oh, i got to quote this because... I don't want you to say Aaron's just stealing stuff from people. Okay, Dr. Robert James Utley is a commentary I go to often. It's very, very good. So if you're into commentaries, go get this one. But here's what he says about in the name of the Lord. Whatever we do as proclaimers, ministers, helpers, healers, exorcists, etc., we do in his character, by his power, his provision, In his name. It's never about us. Church, are we in this? Are you you feeling this? Are you seeing what God's pointing to? Let's go to verse 15 and we'll begin to wrap up. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Look, Look at the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is prayed for the sick, one, by the elders, by the mature Christians. The prayer of faith looks like, God, I know you can. I have faith. God, I, I know that you can. So as these elders are praying over this sick one, the one that is with, without energy, the one that is downtrodden, the prayer is, God, I know that you can. That's what we pray on our behalf. God, I know that you can. The prayer of faith, let's unpack this a little bit, because a lot of theology, twisted theology, comes from this prayer of faith. Just saying, you don't have enough faith. Like, pray harder and you're going to get healed in church. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. And so we're going to spend just a few seconds, a few moments here on the prayer of faith. This prayer of faith comes from an understanding and trust in God that has never let us down. This prayer of faith comes from an understanding and trust in a God that has never let us down. You begin to see how faith is built from a God that has never let us down. I come to him with complete faith in who he is. This faith is about his character. It's not about our ability to have little or more of. It's coming to him and it's saying, God, I see your character. Because God has proven himself in my life, I have faith. Are you tracking with me? 
Because God has proven himself in my life, I have faith. Because God has always been faithful. Because he has not given up on me. Because he is stronger than anything in this world has thrown my way. It is easy to pray to God in my suffering. He is the object of my faith. Because he is who he is. He hears my prayer of faith. And I place my faith in him. Do you see the difference? It's not do you contain more or less faith to get healed. But it's saying, God, I place all my faith in who you are. The character of who you are. Because you can do. You are the creator of everything. So in the hard times, all we may have is faith. The knowledge and trust in him. We live through the hard times in a way that people would see the life and the power of Christ displayed in us. So in your suffering, how do you live? And how do you respond? Do you respond with prayer? And in your cheerfulness, do you respond in praise pointing to him? So as we look at these three verses all together, James is talking to the believers, us, dealing with life problems. And he says, number one, pray. Number two, sing praises. And number three, ask for help from mature Christians. This is how we do life together. So church, if you're suffering, what do you do? Go to God. The God of situations. If you're cheerful, what do you do? Praise. You go to God. The God of emotions, life, and hope. If you're sick, what do you do? You go to God, the God of realities. And whatever life throws, we go to God. Remember in in college, just after college, for those of you that know me, I dropped out of college and started a rock and roll band in Miami. Awesome. Everyone should do that. It didn't go so well, but I had a lot of fun. One of my trips back down to Florida, my car broke down in Georgia somewhere. That's a good place in the middle of the summer. And an 81 hatchback Mustang with no air condition. Awesome. Broke down. I was stuck in a hotel, no money. My parents had to pay the hotel for three days. I didn't know how I was going to fix the car. Small podunk town. I don't remember the name of it. Stuck in a hotel for three days. I think I ate ding-dongs. I think that's all I ate. I'm trying to think, how did I live? I love ding-dongs. I had one for breakfast this morning, didn't I, Lauren? That's how you keep this good figure. We're getting off track here. I look back at that time as a powerful time of prayer and praise in my life. Three days where I was stuck in a hotel room with no money, not knowing how I was going to get the car fixed and getting moved down. And God, during that time, this is the one, one of the times I actually responded right. I look back on those times, and right now, there's a, a, a special spot in my heart for those three days broken down in Georgia. Because the, the time in the hotel room was spent with prayer spent with praise because I didn't know how to play guitar remember I just started a rock and roll band so I kind of need to learn 
Like so, so for those three days, it was a very special time. And I think back on that powerful time of prayer and praise in my life, regardless of that situation. And how many times have I missed that opportunity? Continually, I miss that opportunity. Continually, we miss that opportunity for prayer and praise of God Almighty who's rescued us. We are men and women in the middle of our own sanctification. And we need to be remembered that God is doing his thing in us so that he can show us how much he loves us. So when the world caves in and people get killed and trucks run over people, it's devastating. But we have an answer because it comes deep from within us. Regardless of the situation, regardless of the motion, we pray and we praise. Whatever life throws our way, that should be our response as we trust and place our faith in him. Amen, all day long. If the church would get this, the world would look like a different place. And by the way, it does because we're here. We've won. Remember, we've won. We're not fighting from defensive position. No, we're on offense. We've won, church. Let's walk forward and proclaim that wherever we go this week. That's my charge for us. If you would, just close your Bible. I think God could really do some some soul work in all of us this week. He can mend some, some broken thoughts and some hurts that are deep within us. He can get us thinking more like Him. The best thing that He can do is, is let us know that we are loved by our Creator. And so if you would and you're comfortable with it, Would you just close your eyes and begin to to talk to God, to cry out to Him? Just say, God, in this place, in this passage, your Holy Spirit, we call upon it. We call upon you, Holy Spirit, to teach us. To love us, to rebuke us, to show us who you are in these three verses. And if you would, just, just God, we, we submit to you our lives. God, we pray in this place that you would make us more like you. God, you are our first love, and we cry out to you today and ask you to capture our heart, overwhelm us. God, we repent. We ask for forgiveness for our lack of prayer and our lack of praise in our life. And we ask, God, that you would move us out of the temporal and thrust us into the eternal. As we focus not on our situation, but on the character of who you are, the person of Jesus Christ. May we live our lives for you, not ourselves. May we see you and others the way you have asked us. And may we respond to every situation and every every emotion in us with prayer and praise. May we be people and may we be a church project and may we represent Christianity when people ask what's different about Christians is that we pray and we praise God Almighty God I pray that you move in each and every one of us that if there's anything we're holding back from you we would surrender that to you
If there's anything we've put on the throne that, that, that in our life, the, the seat that you belong, the king in our life, if we've put anything or anyone in that throne, would we remove them and put you back in that throne? We thank you for being our savior and today we beg you to be our Lord. Make us more like you. Break us. Show us how much you love us. And God, remind us how much grace you've shown us. That we don't deserve your love, but you continually chase after us. And God, in light of what James has taught us this morning and in light of what you've taught us this morning, I pray that we respond with prayer as sons and daughters of the King Almighty. And I pray that as a church, we enter into praise of who you are.